Well, hello there, film fans, film lovers, film goers, and last but not least, film makers. You've tuned in to the one-stop destination for all things cinematic adventure and magic. That is the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. Now, just what kind of gems can you find over at flickfair.com? Oh, it's so simple. You can find romance, comedy, drama, science fiction, documentary, feature, adventure, experimental music video, and so much more. So, what do you need to do next? Well, you need to go over to flickfair.com, click on the button that says, Get My Pass to get my pass. And then you can plunge yourself headfirst into a whole new world of movie-making magic. But not only that, you can now download the Flickfair app directly from the Google Play or App Store and take the movie magic with you wherever you go. You know, it is so simple. And not only that, you can even pass on the movie magic to friends and loved ones. Get them a festival pass. They'll enjoy it. They'll love it. They'll thank you for it. Now, you're probably wondering how you can catch up on all those exciting previous episodes of the podcast from this season. It's simple. Here's a teaser. Third Eye Blind uh, went on tour without a new album, and they decided to kind of play the the hits, as it were. And this is after a 20-year anniversary tour. And we headed out with them and decided to explore their fan favorite motorcycle drive by which was a which was a song that didn't really get radio play and wasn't used for commercials but connected with the fans uh in a certain way that their hits didn't and we wanted to explore that uh, um, connection between band and fan in motorcycle drive by and my name is david wexler and i'm the writer director of this film when the love of his life is kidnapped and held for a ransom by terrorists in North Africa, a war hero Brad Paxton races against the clock to rescue her in a daring and a deadly operation. My name is Hisham Haji, and I'm the director and the producer of Redemption Day. Listen, sir. Those nightmares you're having ain't going away. You need to do something about it. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right time for me to leave. You gotta trust me here. Morocco's beautiful. In Morocco, we have found something incredible and we have been granted access to excavate. We have to be careful. We are very close to the border. Why did you choose sort of this somber kind of tone for your opening uh, opening wide shot with the so that's, composition? I wanted to give this feeling of a meditative space. Mm. That's her morning routine. I mean, as, as soon as she starts massaging that donut dough, it just feels like that's her way of meditating. Mm. And I just, just want to give that quiet respect, that space for her. And and also you can see in her tone, in behind her softness, her gentleness, there's this something that she has to come over. Has, it's her sort of past mm. and the difficulties that she had. So in every beautiness, there's this sort of a sadness, sadness to it. Yeah, without giving too much away, we're going to actually play a clip right about here. And uh, listeners, you can hear for yourself. 
So I'm Jean, I'm, I'm American actually, but Taiwanese. My husband's French, that's why I'm here in Paris. I came 28 years ago and I started making cookies for my children. It's developed into a, a cookie business and I opened my boutique four years ago. Back in the 50s and 60s, like everyone's dream was to go get their doctorate in sciences or whatever in America, right? My father, um, I think he came in 1958, he immigrated to Kansas because they had a very good engineering university. And then at that time, you weren't allowed to bring your wife and children over, you had to be employed. And so once he got that, he did this record four years time, and then he was able to, he got his first job, and then he brought my mother and my sister and brother over. And then I was born afterwards. So, um, oh no, I'm gonna get sad. <laughs> okay, hold on, I have to recollect myself. Okay, where was it? So in Kansas, it's like the wheat belt of the U.S. There's all the, the wheat fields. And so there's this tradition of baking cookies. And um, I grew up with all these mothers baking cookies. And the story is basically revolving around a young scientist who becomes entangled in a military mission to deliver the only antidote that will save mankind. And then on her journey, she finds out she's not only fighting for survival, but also being confronted from demons from her past. Hi, this is uh, Jean de Morand. I'm the producer of the proof of concept short film, Megan. And there you have it. That was a teaser of some of the previous episodes of the Flickfair Film Festival official podcast. Now you can find all of those episodes and more by going to any of our streaming platforms, including Spotify. Now, let's get right into it. You hear that? That is the sound of generations of oyster farmers diving into the deep blue, looking for, well, delectable oysters that you might eventually find on your plate. That is the sound of music warbling through your speakers, enchanting you with these nostalgic melodies that bring you back to your youth in the middle of summer. It's the sound of the waves lapping up against the shore. It's the sound of the canoe tipping back and forth. It's the sound of your heart thumping in your chest. Is it love? Is it fear? Is it adrenaline? Ooh, it could be so many things. And our guests today are here to tell us all about that. Right after this. You're listening to the Flickfair Film Festival official podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, because there you will find all our exciting news and promos and things that you can get over at flickfair.com. You know what always makes a great gift? A Flickfair Film Festival Festival Pass. And you can get yours by going to flickfair.com. Click on the button that says, get my pass, to get your pass. Now, if it's for you or for someone else, it doesn't matter. Give the gift of movie making and cinematic adventure, and you won't regret your choice. Did you know that Flickfair is now available from Google Play and the App Store? Now you can take the movie making magic wherever you go. Simply go to the Google Play or App Store and download Flickfair.
The Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast is here weekly with exciting new guests who are filmmakers and movers and shakers in the world of cinema. When you tune in, you'll get all the behind the scenes stories of, of drama and romance and science fiction and music video, you name it. And our guests will be here to always keep you at the edge of your seat. That's the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast. Tune in weekly. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akia Wingate. Now, before the break, I tease that our guests today are here to tell us all about the musical adventure that they took part of over on the deep blue sea. So let's get right into it. Here's our logline. Logline. My name is James Jenkins. Uh, I'm a director duo with my partner, Alexandra Kauker. And uh, we made a film, Ben Lowe, Sweet Branch, Ben Lowe, which is a kind of docu-style um, uh, lyrical narrative uh, music video, which was kind of a new experience for us um, to do completely docu-style for a visual medium. Hi, I'm Alexandra Kauker, and I'm part of the director duo Hiss, and we we made a music video for The Gentleman Losers uh, for a song called Ben Lowe, Sweet Branch, Ben Lowe, um, and it's about oyster farmers in Florida. And there you have it, listeners. Those are our guests, Alexandra Kauker. Did I pronounce that correctly? Kauker? Uh, Kauker. Kauker. Alexandra Kauker, excuse me. And nice. James Jenkins, who have uh, brought to us the music video, Ben Low, Sweet Branch Ben Low, from the Gentleman Losers. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you us. for having us. Now, now, firstly, the music is absolutely stunning with that nice sort of detuned piano that plays gently uh, and the sort of vibraphone bells in the background going on, coupled with this beautiful imagery that you two have rendered of these oyster farmers. So let's dive right in, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> why oyster farmers and how did you pair these images with that music? It's actually a really interesting story because um, we reached out to the band uh, and they said that they had a, a, uh, an album coming out in two weeks. So we had a very quick turnaround. And our original concept for this was just kind of old man in the sea. Mm. Uh, and we had contacted this great guy, Herman Wells in Florida. Well, that name, that name even sounds like something out of, out of <laughs> old man in the sea or one of those novels. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he, he was, he's amazing, but I don't think he really understood what we were asking of him. We kind of wanted him to be the lead of this project and do this. We were reaching out to um, these groups that own boats in Florida and we, we wanted to be out on the ocean with this old man. That was our original concept. Um, but when we arrived, Herman, you know, he's, he's uh, getting up in age and he wasn't feeling up to it. Mm. Um, so although we had made all these plans, it kind of all fell through at the last minute. Uh -huh. Uh, but we were determined to, to not only, uh, have a film, uh, a music video, but to have something that was 
kind of real, not, not with actors. Um, mm, mm. So we just uh, thought on our feet a little bit and started asking around town uh, if there were any like uh, people who work on boats, um, just a family we could get in touch with. And we were literally scrambling. Uh, <laughs> We just wanted the a big, yeah. The the overall goal be, was originally looking for an old man on a boat, and we quickly widened our perspective to just to just try and be on on a boat at all. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> um, and then we came to meet these, um, and somebody that we were talking to uh, introduced us to to this family that was a family doing the oyster farming oh wow and we just we just thought that they were such a great subject especially seeing um she's like oh it's so rare to have a young woman in this field actually mm. so mm. we were really drawn to her and then with her came the group mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there were three uh family members together on on the boat um yeah isn't it her and her brother right james no they're not related oh they're uh, not related the kid uh the guy is uh, her friend, like her father brings her on the, on the boat. They, they oyster farm every morning at like four in the morning, they set out. Wow. Uh, and they only have a sp specific time to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And they're only allowed to do so much. They have a lot of regulations involved that we learned about. Um, but yeah, the kid was not related to them. He was just having a summer job, you know. <laughs> okay. Now, was this somewhere like in the Everglades area of, of Florida? This is in uh, Cedar Key, which is, um, it's on the west side of Florida. Oh, so the, around the Gulf Coast? Yeah. Okay. Now, my, my first thought hearing that this was filmed in Florida, because <laughs> I've, I've been to the Gulf Coast, spent some time down in the Gulf Coast, were you concerned at all about um, any uh, unexpected guests popping up, <laughs> alligators, etc.? We, we luckily, I mean, they did say <laughs> there are alligators, but we luckily didn't see any. Um, we had a bigger problem with insects, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we were going to these sort of deserted islands. Nobody lives there. And... Mm for whatever reason, probably because I'm carrying a camera, which is very hot. Yeah, they were very drawn to me. So I would like touch my neck and it would be pure black from insect bodies. Oh, my gosh. It was like I got bit like crazy. <laughs> Basically, was covered head to toe and bites. So. No, uh, they didn't they stayed away from Alex, though. <laughs> now, now, now the, the island that they took you to, did they, they had, they had already scoped out this island, the, the, the family had scoped out this island, or was this something that you had uh, sort of seen yourself and said, this would be a lovely place to actually film? They, they have their own route. Um, and we just kind of wanted to not intrude as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, it, because again, we wanted it to be completely authentic nothing staged uh so i just said i'll i'll go with you i'm i'm pretty good at um staying on my feet and not like uh jumping too close to them or you know i, I try to be a fly on the wall when i'm yeah. filming them now now the interesting thing about about this situation is uh it's it's similar to documentary filmmaking in so much as it's 
I would imagine there was a lot of run and gun in some instances, but also I also would imagine that in the, somewhere in the back of both of your minds, you have this music playing on repeat. Um, oh, yeah. And, and mm -hmm. the idea of trying to couple what you are seeing through the lens as well as what you are hearing musically um, must be a strange sort of right brain, left brain challenge. Um, it is. Um, I guess that's why I like the run and gun because um, it's just like finding a mood the whole mm -hmm. time for me. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, I think if we had shot Old Man in the Sea, it would have had similar shots. You know, it's like that mood was there before we even started shooting, you know, the mm -hmm. sort of low angle, very portrait, very intimate. Um, that was that was conceptually there from the beginning, even if the concept changed a little bit. Mm. I'm, I'm going to I have a challenging question for you. Um, some of our our viewers uh, might find it interesting that that filmmakers uh, have to become adepted in, in so many different languages, so to speak, so many different visual languages. And here we are now talking about something that's auditory. Um, what was your first reaction hearing the music? If you could put it into words, what was your first reaction hearing the music? And what would be the words that you would use to describe this music to someone listening for the first time? Well, the thing about Gentleman Losers, all of their music, um, it just invokes memory. It feels like memory. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that aesthetic is uh, aurally there in all of their tracks. If you listen to anything else they do, you just, it feels like you're watching a Super 8 film of your early uh, childhood days or something. It just feels like saturated in memory. Mm. Yeah, I would say nostalgia is, it has this immediate tone that, and for me, there was definitely kind of a water, like we knew, we both agreed immediately that like this has to be out by the sea somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt like waves when you're listening to it. Yeah, yeah, there's some really lovely images of the suds of the, uh, of the waves rushing in along the shore and then some underwater images as well as some, some nice moments where the wind blows through her hair or, or we see a bit of, of uh, uh, a lens flare where, where we're slowly kind of stalking in on, on the younger male. Um, and at the same time, it also kind of harkens back to all those uh, magical moments during summer for, for people. Uh, they think back fondly of their, of their youth and they think back of maybe even a summer romance or, or something of that, that nature. Um, and yet we also have this interesting, unique perspective of oyster farming. What was something you, uh, you learned about oyster farming uh, during this process? Uh, that is very political. I did not know how, like, how many regulations they have. They told us about how hard it was. Uh, they told us how they have to replant the beds. Um, that it's it's much more complicated than I thought. Mm. Uh, but but what you were saying about youth, I think that was uh, lucky for us. Like like I said, we had the old man in the sea mm. concept, but I think it um, became 
a better film when it became about a younger person, uh, yeah. especially if we're talking about memory. Mm. Uh, I think the stuff with her and her friends uh, later in the film is a better cap to the whole thing because it feels um, very like Andrea Arnold uh, or, you know, Kerouac or something like that, where you're just, mm. uh, where you just put back to a time when, you know, you were younger. Mm. Has the, has the genre of, let's just call it music video, has the genre of music video and filmmaking uh, changed dramatically from when you two might've, I'm guessing your ages, I'm not going to say, but I'm guessing your ages, <laughs> but when you two might've been kids watching something like MTV or VH1 or any of the different music video channels, would you say that music video filmmaking has changed dramatically since then? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it crossed over more with filmmaking, but at the same time, I mean, we, you know, we have day jobs in the film industry. Alexandra is a production designer and um, she works on a lot of big music videos and I, I work as a colorist um, and it feels like stuff at the high end is, is almost, um, I don't want to say like, <laughs> It feels like the same video being made over and over again, mm, but mm, yeah. but obviously there are like incredible uh, artists, uh, especially working on smaller videos or working in Europe uh, yeah. that that do these incredible music videos that don't even feel like music videos. They're just like amazing short films, mm. uh, and I'm I'm more inspired by those kind of lower budget productions. Uh, because the experimentation is still there. And when music videos um, were that for me when I was a kid, it was like this way to make experimental films that everyone would watch. It's hard to sell experimental films, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when it's in the form of a music video, it's more forgiving and people just kind of go along with it. Do you remember a specific music video from your youth that stuck with you? Uh, from the moment you saw it? Um, yeah, I think I remember seeing, oh, this is a long time ago. There's like a, uh, a I think it's a Weezer video, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but they filmed it backwards. Mm. And uh, I think it's a really long take that they just filmed backwards. So you're watching the whole thing in reverse. Uh -huh. uh, I guess that was interesting to me just because as a kid, before I went to film school, before I got into cinema or uh, cinematic filmmakers, um, that was sort of a gateway drug to uh, what could be done with the medium. That wasn't you know, your typical narrative or um, typical blockbuster film, which was all I was privy to as a kid growing up in, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. so. We were even uh, far removed from the artistic world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Would that have been uh, Buddy Holly? Yes, I think it is Buddy Holly. Yeah, Buddy Holly. Yeah, yeah. I was. That was uh, um, interesting that you brought that up because I immediately thought of uh, some other examples similar in in sort of uh, creativity, like OK Go or. Um, mm. Uh, or even in terms of hip hop, Exhibit had done a video that was all a one shot video uh, yeah. where he walked through town. 
he walked through he walked through a very very sketchy part of town on top of it um <laughs> and it was and it was just the just the things that you would see in the images in terms of what people were doing in their daily life uh the dramas and the things that were happening it was not staged um and then today, when we look at, you know, sort of our superstars of music and, you know, they have the flashy soundstage, the bright lights and all the designer clothes, but um, it's all direct. Well, I'm not going to say it's all direct, but uh, so much is direct to camera. It's almost as if um, the bridge that has been built between the artist and the image um, is a shoddy one. Yeah. Um, what would I, you oh, go ahead. That, go ahead. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I do think, you know, especially actually hip hop and even some, there are some trap music videos that blow my mind today that aren't the typical performance video, mm. which is you know, to camera. Uh, I've seen some really incredible um, creative work being done. If you dig, you know, uh, I think there was one and I'm sorry, but I don't always remember the artist's name, but there was one recently, um, that was basically a music video about Google Maps, uh, <laughs> but it it was really beautifully done because it was all these narrative scenes taking place uh, on Street View, mm. and the whole video is like done like that, uh, like a visual effects combined with Google Maps. It was very bizarre, uh, but it was conceptually really amazing to me. Mm. Vince mm -hmm. Staples. Yeah, Vince Staples. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Is there a uh, is there a secret to to falling in love with the music over and over and over again uh, when you know you're going to probably be listening to the song a million times trying to render these images in production? Oh, well. <laughs> I guess keep your production schedule short so you only have to listen to it so many times, but. Mm. I mean, we're only doing music videos for music that we love. Okay. That's the that's the secret because, you know, that I mean, basically we do a lot of other things. You know, um, as James said, we have kind of day. Uh, this is not our day job <laughs> in terms of what you know. Um, so, I think just one when you actually love this, and we just did one recently that when you actually love the song, like it's a, it's a pleasure to to cut to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, listeners, those are our guests who have brought to us uh, the music video for The Gentleman Losers, Ben Lowe, Sweet Branch Ben Lowe. We have a snippet for you to hear. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast.
Be sure to get your Flick Fair Festival Pass at FlickFair.com. Every month, tons of new films from filmmakers all over the world make their entry at the Flick Fair Film Festival. And you can check out all the hottest new films by going to FlickFair.com. Get your pass today. This is the Flick Fair Podcast, and we are tuned in. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. We're joined by Alexandra and James, who have brought to us the music video, Bend Low, Sweet Branch, Bend Low. Oh, Sweet, did I get that right? Bend Low, Sweet yeah, Branch, Bend Low. I got the order right. Okay. You know, that, that, that's how it is when you don't have enough coffee in the, in the day. It's um, also not full of a title. <laughs> so now... Uh, for the filmmakers in the audience, the first question I'm sure they're wondering about is how did you get knee deep in the thick of it with these oyster farmers and keep it all together, especially with uh, the camera? What was your, what was your trick? Um, I mean, I give a lot of credit to the lenses. Um, the camera i'm sort of camera agnostic these days a lot of cameras create beautiful images but mm. the lenses is where you still can um uh, uh tell a more cinematic story so I, you, I guess you were shooting uh were you using uh, anamorphic lenses for 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 this yeah i was using uh their vintage uh russian anamorphics wow uh, they're yeah the lomo mm -hmm. square front um we got a whole set. I actually ended up finally getting my own, uh, just one for now. But uh, we, we rented a set for this music video uh, mm -hmm. from a cinematographer friend of mine. And um, I mainly shot with just one lens. I mean, we did jump to the 80 millimeter sometimes, especially mm -hmm. for the nature stuff. But most of the time I was on the 35 millimeter, which is such a great lens. I mean, what's great about it is that you can be uh very close and intimate with people mm. and it's, it's because of how much it's pulling in yeah uh, for the de-squeeze you're still getting like a beautiful representation of the environment yeah. uh, like it doesn't go away as much as like if you're using like a longer lens uh especially like a 169 uh, spherical lens mm -hmm. uh, where the environment kind of can melt away a little bit. So that, that's the main reason I wanted to uh, bring anamorphics to this. I, I, I always have fallen in love with particularly vintage anamorphic lenses where if you if you have the the luxury of watching anything shot in that fashion on a large screen, um, yes. it's like, I don't know, I could be exaggerating, but for, for example, if you're filming landscape or some kind of, something out in nature i almost get the impression that you could kind of see the curvature of the earth in the background yeah, you know exactly. um and here with these these beautiful images that you have of uh the young lady and the the young man um in the water uh it just seems so breathtaking um but at the same time i i i, I am forced to ask 
uh, how do you, in a run and gun situation, um, gauge, okay, let's get this and still manipulate something as precious as these lenses without um, uh, flummoxing everything in, in the process? What is the, the best way to approach um, getting something so pristine, so, so, so right, so to speak, and still be at the mercy of running and gunning for, for nailing things as they happen spontaneously. I guess I, I have kind of like a, a clown car way of doing things. <laughs> Basically, um, I tend to stick with a single lens and to get the, the feeling that you're on longer lenses. Um, I use uh, these big Schneider um, diopters. Mm. instead of having like a matte box where we have to you know stop everything change things out um i i handhold them in front of the lens oh wow so okay. so there's no point when i have to ever stop uh unless it's to change a battery uh or a mag uh everything else is just like uh, you know alex is always right by me uh -huh. and she's like sometimes helping me flag light or mm -hmm. helping me uh, compose the shot or um, uh, handing my, me diopters if I need to get really close for those really intimate shots. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really just our way of like um, keeping the wheel spinning mm. uh, without ever stopping. I think that's our, that's been our way of working over the past few years. And it just, it helps keep us um, from, you know, the thing about having like a larger crew is it's harder to do intimate stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes the best performances you get, especially from real people that aren't actors, uh, are stuff when they think the cameras aren't rolling. Yeah, it's a and question so that, of trust, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. it's like uh, that stuff is very precious to me, you know, because mm -hmm. always you never know when they're going to give you a look or something like that. And you just have to be ready. Alexandra, I imagine it was a bit of uh, some funny choreography for you, um, uh, being next to to James, particularly when he's trying to manipulate the camera and he has to go in the water with uh, uh, your 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 subjects, and making sure that <laughs> that he's okay as well as uh, the 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 subjects are okay. Uh, you must have been juggling many many hats at one time. Yes, I mean, well, it was, I mean, it definitely speaks to just us kind of working as small as we do, which it's really was just the two of us there and the, th the three of them on the boat. And um, yeah, there was a moment when James was, you know, it's lucky our camera made it through this one because James uh -huh. gets pretty adventurous where he's kind of like hanging off the boat um, <laughs> in a certain moment. But actually, we were, there was a moment when we were, a few moments where we were simultaneously filming at the same time and we had um rigged a gopro so the kind of underwater stuff mm -hmm. um james james is a mastermind uh at you know kind of tinkering with with things and so he made this rig where he put the gopro on the end of kind of a boom pole or something and right it was and so I was getting these kind of underwater shots with the the gopro on a stick while he was filming on one side mm -hmm. um and basically you just we just have the subjects do what they do and we kind of give them very 
very little direction, honestly, to just mm-hmm. try and keep it as natural as possible. And hopefully they just forget that we're there in general is yeah. the goal. Now, now I also imagine that the that kind of relationship that you already have on on a set, so to speak, um, is rooted in the fact that you work together uh, with your production co- company, your studio Hiss. Um, yeah. Talk to us about Hiss. How did how did Hiss come about, and what is it like to sort of uh, collaborate with each other, knowing that everyone involved are sort of uh, multi-talented, multi-hat wearing um, uh, artists uh, in the industry? I, I personally think um, sometimes the industry can be very reductive. Uh, you know, I have friends who are cinematographers and directors and uh, they often feel like, yeah, but I'm not just that. Um, and I feel like every uh, artist, you know, with an eye, can do much more than the um, the hole they put themselves in, you know. So I don't I don't consider myself just a cinematographer, uh, just a director. It's it's really just it it is a collaborative medium, obviously, because it's hard to make films, but um, and you need people. But we're all. Uh, you know, there's no ego involved. Like if I need to get the sound, if Alex needs to get an image, you know, we just sort of jump in and do it. It's just about, um, it, it's about having that freedom to do whatever you can to make the image better as opposed to being like, well, that's not my job. You know, I'm just the cinematographer. For for our listeners who are probably chomping at the bit after they have seen this music video, uh, wondering what is next from Hiss? What can we expect uh, from you two? We just did a music video for David Allred, uh, who's an Oregon-based uh, artist. It's very similar to this one. Uh, it's instrumental, um, but it was... It's actually not docu-style at all. This one is more narrative. We had actors mm-hmm. uh, because we were doing sort of a visual effects concept. Mm-hmm. So the film is about memory again, because I guess that's sort of an obsession of ours. <laughs> uh, but but it has like um, uh, a sort of Gregory Crudson feel. He's like a stills photographer who makes these very moody images. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it has visual effects. It's about a, a boy losing um, his relationship with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is depicted as a phantom in the uh, film, mm-hmm. uh, manifested as memory itself. So she's like a blue uh, object. It's very mm-hmm. abstract, but uh, that should be coming out uh, as soon as they find uh, whatever PR release they have. So probably in the next week or so. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, where can uh, where can our listeners find you all on social media, et cetera, or an official site? Uh, we have hiss.tv, which is our regular website, and our Instagram is the same, hiss.tv. So if you search that, you'll find us. And there you have it, listeners. Uh, we have come to the end of yet another Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast. Our guests, Alexandra and James, have brought to us 
Ben Lowe, Sweet Branch Ben Lowe from The Gentleman Losers. Now, if you have not yet seen this video, be sure to go to flickfair.com to check it out or as well go to hiss.tv. Alexandria and James, thank you so much. It has truly been a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure is ours. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having us. I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to see what you cook up next. Uh, definitely. And I, I definitely think you'll have some some new fans who will be uh, tuning in to this, this, this episode and having heard the music, going to see the, the beautiful images that you've rendered with it. Well, listeners, thank you again for tuning in. You have listened to the Flickfair Film Festival official podcast. We'll be back next week with some more exciting guests, just like Alexandra and James, with another exciting topic, another exciting film that you can find only at flickfair.com. Until then, take care. Take care.